the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Turn new. Faith Talk 570 WTBN Pinellas Park and 910 WTWD Plant City. It's time for Verse by Verse. Sponsored by Verse by Verse Ministries. But it was more than a story. It was intended to be more than a mere story about the experience of this farmer in Israel. There was a profound spiritual lesson in this story. And we know that. It's not our guess. We know that because when Jesus finished telling the story, notice what he said in verse 9. He who has ears, let him hear. Today on Verse by Verse, Pastor Steve Kreloff of Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida, continues his study on the parable of the sower, as found in Matthew 13. But first, we want you to know about an exciting book offer. Verse by Verse is happy to announce a newly published book, Timeless Truths from a Faithful Shepherd, that is being offered to all our faithful listeners. This is a 207-page paperback book containing landmark sermons delivered by Pastor Steve Kreloff over the last 30 years. It is a great resource of information on topics like the life of Elijah, Esther, the Beatitudes, running the spiritual marathon, how to find God's peace, and much more. This book can be yours for a contribution this month of any size to Verse by Verse Ministries. Request the book when you send your contribution to Verse by Verse Ministries, P.O. Box 5884, Clearwater, Florida, 33758. You may also call and request the book. The phone number is 727-239-0306. You can contribute online at our website, versebyverseradio.org. Just click on the Support Us tab. Now, with today's class, here is Pastor Steve. So chapter 12 closes by telling us that the nation of Israel has made their decision. They have essentially rejected their Messiah. And though there were some individuals who were his followers, and some could still become his followers... Because as you recall, the last section of chapter 12, Jesus said, and who is my family? Who's my mother? Who are my brothers? Who are my sisters? But those who believe in me. But the masses of Jewish people had made up their minds and they had rejected him as their king. Eventually, this rejection would result in his death. And then what? What would happen to the kingdom after he was crucified and then he returned to the Father in heaven? That is precisely what the parables deal with. What happens after? How does the kingdom advance without the king being present? And so these parables tell us about specific truths concerning Christ's kingdom advancing during this present age. And the very first parable in this chapter is about a sower who cast his seed on various soils. It was given by the Lord to specifically explain this one issue— Why are there so few people during this kingdom church age that come to faith in him? Why are there so few people, even though the gospel goes forth, 
like it's never gone forth before, why are there so few people who accept him? In other words, Jesus explains how his kingdom advances while he's away with only a small minority coming to him. And the parable also tells us that there are many who appear to be Christians at first, but they are not. This is a very important parable, and we're just going to begin to look at it this week. Then we'll see the interpretation of it, Lord willing, next week. Very important for us to to understand because it helps us to understand why there are so many people today who seem to start off well. They seem to have accepted Christ, but eventually they fall away. And that's troubled some of us. We all have friends and loved ones who at one time claimed to know Christ, even appeared to love him, may have been very active in a church fellowship, but now they want absolutely nothing to do with the Lord. In fact, some of them have gone into apostate religious organizations. They don't want to speak to you about Christ. They don't want you talking to them. What's going on? What is it? Where are they? Where are their hearts? Were they, were they Christians who, who, who lost their salvation, as some tell us? Are all of them just backslidden? where they really are believers, but they're just, as some would say, just carnal? What happened to them? Were they people who were not converted in the first place, but only looked like they were? Well, this very first parable will explain the reason for all of these empty professions of faith that do not bear godly fruit. And the way this first parable and its surrounding comments unfold is as follows. I'm going to give you the big picture, and then we'll zero in. First, Jesus presents the parable itself by telling us a story, a very simple story, which is not difficult to understand on the surface, about a sower, his seed, and and various types of soil that his seed fell upon. Next, he informs his disciples as to the purpose of, Of all the parables in general, they ask him, why are you telling us now in parables? And why specifically are you telling these unsaved people you're teaching in parables? Why are you changing your teaching style from being open and clear and straightforward to giving them parables that they can't understand? And the answer may surprise you. It's profound. It's deep. It's truth that we need to hear. And finally, as we'll see, Lord willing, next week, Jesus gives the interpretation of this first parable about the sower, the seed, and the soils. So that, that's our background of the parables. And we can now proceed to study these parables of the kingdom by examining the first parable that Jesus gave as we see him, first of all, presenting the, the parable in a story form. And then second, we'll see the purpose of all the parables. Number one, let's see as the Lord presents this parable of the sower and the soils. Verses one through three say this. That day, Jesus went out of the house and was sitting by the sea and large crowds gathered to him so that he got into a boat, sat down, and the whole crowd was standing on the beach and he spoke many things to them in parables saying, let's stop there. Matthew introduces this section to us about parables by by telling us that on a certain day, and note that it was a certain day, Jesus decided, not arbitrarily, but he decided to start teaching in parables. Now, what day was that? Why does Matthew say on, on that day? In other words, it was the same day that he had been accused of being demonic. It was the very same day. In other words, there is no break in time between chapters 12 and 13. The very day that Jesus was officially rejected by the nation, represented by their leaders, was the day that he began to speak in parables. So Matthew tells us that on that day, 
Jesus left the house. Remember, he had been in a house in Capernaum that was so crowded that not even his mother and brothers could get in to speak to him. They had to send word to him. So he got up. He walked out of that crowded house in Capernaum, probably Peter's house. If you've ever been to Israel, Peter's house is very prominent there. And then he walked down to the Sea of Galilee, just a few hundred yards away. And as the large crowd followed him out of the house and perhaps surrounding areas too, they came, he got into a boat, very likely once again Peter's boat, since Peter was a fisherman, rowed a little distance from the land. Then he would, then, then Matthew tells us he sat down. Now, why did he sit down? Well, two reasons, I think. Number one, you don't stand up in a boat. It's a little bit shaky. You sit down for stability, but also that's the way rabbis taught. It's a little bit different today. When I, when I get up, I'm standing teaching you and others do that. But the rabbis always sat down. That was, that was saying to the people, they are officially teaching. That, that was their posture for teaching. So Jesus, as a rabbi, sat down in the boat and he began to speak to the people who were a little bit away from him on the shore. He began to speak in parables. And the very first parable that came out of his mouth was about this sower, meaning a farmer who went out to sow some seed. You may not think that Jewish farmers exist, but they do. They existed then, they exist now. And here's the parable. Behold, the sower went out to sow, and as he sowed, some seeds fell beside the road, and the birds came and ate them up. Others fell on the rocky places where they did not have much soil, and immediately they sprang up because they had no depth of soil. But when the sun had risen, They were scorched, and because they had no root, they just withered away. Others fell among the thorns, and the thorns came up and choked them out. And others fell on the good soil and yielded a crop, some a hundredfold, some sixty, and some thirty. He who has ears, let him hear. Now, it's not until verse 18 that Jesus actually explained to his disciples the, the spiritual meaning of this parable, the message, but everybody in the crowd that day would have understood the various elements involved in the story. This, one, this isn't deep to, to grasp because Jesus spoke um, of a very common scene that all first century Jewish people were familiar with. There is nothing deep in this story on the surface. He told them an agricultural story about a farmer who he called a, a sower with a seed bag. The bag was either tied to his waist or perhaps even slung over his shoulder. And this farmer, the sower, was walking up and down his his field, throwing seed from the bag as he went. But not all of the seed fell, we're told, on good, fertile soil. Now, that may surprise you because you think, well, that's not the way to do farming. But remember, you're thinking of modern-day farming. This is first-century farming in in Israel. So let me read to you, let me quote to you from one Bible teacher who has written about the experience of the typical Jewish farmer in Christ's day. It'll help you to understand the imagery here. He writes this, in ancient Israel, farmers sowed seed by hand and the farmer, as the farmer walked across the field, he would sow the seeds by scattering handfuls of seed onto the ground from a large bag slung across his shoulders. The, the plants did not grow in neat rows, as is accomplished by today's machine planting. No matter how skillful, no farmer could, could keep some of his seed from falling by the wayside. 
No farmer could keep some of his seed from not only falling by the wayside, but from being scattered among rocks and thorns or from being carried off by the wind. So the farmer would throw the seed liberally and enough would fall on good ground to ensure a good harvest. So you understand that the farmer is just going up and down his field and he is scattering the seed and he is liberally throwing it, but it's bound to fall on all kinds of soil. And Jesus specifically speaks about four types of soil that the seed fell upon. Now, as we'll see next week, let me give you a hint. Each of the soil represents a different heart response to the gospel. So that'll whet your appetite to come back. Now, as the the sower hurled his seed, some of it landed Upon soil, Jesus said, that was along the the roadside, meaning either a road at the edge of the field, or it may very well be a footpath, which the farmer used as he walked through his field, and everybody else would use it too. Often paths just went right through the fields, and that may very well be what he's talking about. So either it's, it's a road at the edge of the field, or just a path that goes right through the field. But the seed wasn't able to penetrate this roadside soil. Why? Because the soil, the dirt was packed down hard from people walking on it and it wasn't plowed dirt. And because this seed was just sitting then on top of the soil, exposed to to everyone, especially the birds who saw it and would swoop down and eat them. Jesus said that's exactly what happened. The seed was just sitting on top of the soil, very vulnerable, very visible, exposed to the elements, and the birds came and ate the seed because it wasn't beneath the surface as the farmer continued to throw his seed Jesus said some of it fell on a different type of soil not only did some fall on hard packed roadside soil but some fell on rocky ground now let me explain to you lest you you get the wrong image in your mind this wasn't ground in which loose rocks were lying around it wasn't a field in which there were just boulders lying around that, that, that is rather common in, in Israel. Rocks are everywhere. Stones are everywhere. In case you've ever wondered, why are they always throwing stones in Israel? Because they're all around. But that wasn't, that's not the imagery here. This, this, uh, this field didn't have loose rocks lying around because the farmer would certainly have removed all the rocks and other objects from his field before casting his, his seed. So don't get the imagery of you have a field and there's rocks all around. That's not it. What he is saying is this kind of soil was rocky only in the sense that it, that it was very shallow soil that was on top of a layer of solid rock with the rock, probably limestone, just a few inches below the surface. So understand to the naked eye, it didn't look like there were rocks. It looked like it was good soil, but just underneath the surface probably just a a few inches down, you had solid rock. Seed falling on this type of soil would naturally spring up immediately. In fact, the plants would spring up much faster than normal because the rock made the earth warm, but its roots could not penetrate the rock beneath it. So it just went down just, just a couple of inches. Eventually, these plants, as they sprang up very quickly, they looked good. They looked very good. But as soon as the sun poured down on these plants, I don't think Jesus meant the next day, but eventually the the hot sun pouring down on these plants, they would be scorched and and withered 
and then die. Why? Because of the lack of, of roots prevented them from absorbing moisture and nourishment. They just couldn't go very deep, so they couldn't get the moisture. They couldn't get their nourishment. They looked good at first, and then they withered away. The third type of soil that the seed fell upon, in addition to the hard-packed soil of the road and the rocky soil, was soil that Jesus said was infested with weeds in the form of thorns. I think everyone in Florida can relate to that about weeds, but these weeds were thorns. Now, no farmer would intentionally scatter his seed among soil that he knew had thorns, but there was some uh, soil where thorns just weren't obvious. They were below the surface. This was soil where cultivation had failed to uproot the, the weeds, the thorns. So the thorns were lying just below beneath the surface. But when the thorns grew up, they grew up with the plants and they choked these good seeded plants. Why? Because the thorns robbed the seed by taking most of the space, the water, the, the, the nutrition, the sunlight for themselves, just like weeds in our own lawns do today. If you have weeds there, they're choking out what is supposed to be our good grass growing there too. And the fourth and final type of soil that Jesus said the seed fell upon was good soil, meaning fertile soil. It was loose and soft and soil that had sufficient depth for roots to sink in, and soil that was free of, of any weeds, in contrast to the other types of soil which did not produce fruit. The good seed that fell on this good soil yielded a very fruitful crop. Depending on where it was, it would, some would be more fruitful than others. Now, that's the story that Jesus presented to the people that day. It was a story, very simply, about a sower, his seed, and the various soil that his seed fell upon. But it was more than a story. It was intended to be more than a mere story about the experience of this farmer in Israel. There was a profound spiritual lesson in this story. And we know that. It's not our guess. We know that. Because when Jesus finished telling the story, notice what he said in verse 9. He who has ears... Let him hear. In other words, there's more here than meets the eye or the ears, we could say. There's a message in this simple story so that you've got to be discerning to grasp it. What the Lord is saying is that this, if you have the capacity to understand this parable, then understand it. If you can understand it, then understand it. Now, even though, and watch this, this is very interesting. Even though Jesus went on to give several more parables to the crowd of people that day. He gave some to the people, then he gave some privately to his uh, disciples. Our gospel writer, Matthew, jumps ahead. He goes out of order now, out of chronological order, and tells us about a private conversation Jesus had later that day with some of his disciples. So the Lord would go on, understand this chronologically, the Lord went on to give several more parables to the crowds in general. Then he went back in the house. We know this because Mark chapter 4, verse 10 tells us this. He went back in the house, and his disciples then came to him, asked him an important question, and he went on to answer that and give some more parables just to them. In fact, if you look at Matthew 13, verse 36, you'll see this. Then he left the crowds and went into the house. So this conversation that took place after uh, Jesus had finished giving several more parables to the crowds, 
we, we understand he gave several more. He went back into the house, and that's what Matthew tells us about. So Matthew is taking things out of chronological order, but he's doing it for, for a specific reason. Before giving us any more of Christ's parables, Matthew is going to tell us, he jumps ahead, and he's going to tell us about a question, a specific question that Christ's disciples asked him about. Why? Because in answering this question, Jesus reveals his purpose for teaching in parables. And so we move from the presentation of the parable to the purpose of these parables about the kingdom. Notice verse 10. And the disciples came and said to him, why do you speak to them in parables? Now, understand the Lord's disciples were not asking him to explain why he used this new form of teaching as if this was a new and novel way to communicate. As we said, they were very familiar with the concept of parables. It was very common for a rabbi to teach this way. So they're not asking him, why do you teach in parables? What they're asking him is, why do you teach them Unbelievers in parables, why are you suddenly speaking so many parables to the crowd of people when they don't have a clue as to what you're talking about? They don't understand. They, they want to know why he's using this teaching method when the people couldn't possibly understand what he's teaching. The thought is this, every teacher wants to be understood. Teachers work very hard at being clear, at least they should. Why would Jesus, as the, the expert of all teachers, the teacher of teachers, use a teaching technique that most people didn't understand, the content of his teaching? Why did Jesus give so many parabolic stories to all of these people who were not believers if they couldn't understand the deeper meaning of these stories? And I might add, the disciples only understood what Jesus meant because he explained it to them. He did not interpret it for the crowd. He explained it to them. So that's a very valid question. And the answer, folks, is some of the most profound and significant teaching you'll ever find in the New Testament. Jesus went on to answer it in verse 11. Jesus answered them, To you it has been granted to know the mysteries of the kingdom, but to them it has not been granted. The Lord here gives two reasons for why he changed his method of, of teaching from being very straightforward and clear and obvious to parables, when the vast majority of the people wouldn't understand what he was talking about. Two reasons. Reason number one, Jesus said, to you it has been granted to know the mysteries of the kingdom of God. That is to say that one of the reasons that Jesus spoke in parables it's because God has graciously given us, given believers, understanding about previously unrevealed truths. This is a gracious concession by the Lord. He has given us truths that, that not even the Old Testament prophets knew about. In other words, Christ's purpose in giving these parabolic stories was to help us, his disciples, understand what the church age would be like. That is a gracious thing that the Lord has done. In his, in his sovereignty and grace, he has given us insight into this age because they reveal many important truths about what we can expect during this kingdom church age. For example, some of these parables help us to understand, as we said before, why there are so many people who claim to know Christ, but they seem to fall away. Why is that? Why is it 
the parables will tell us, why there is so much gospel preaching going on. And think about that. There's never been more gospel preaching than today. Missionaries and books and radio and some television and, and pulpit preaching and, and people evangelizing. Why is it with the media the way it is today that the gospel can go anywhere, basically, on this planet? Why is it that there's such limited response, the parables tell us? Still other parables explain the high cost of being Christ's disciple. What is the cost of of following him? There are other parables that explain what will happen at the end of this age to all those who claim to know Christ but really didn't. And so the first reason Jesus gave for speaking in parables was he said that they were given to reveal some very profound theological concepts to his disciples by using very familiar terms and word pictures that everybody could grasp. That's reason number one. On our next Verse by Verse, Steve Kreloff will give us reason number two why Jesus spoke in parables. Don't forget to request the book, Timeless Truths from a Faithful Shepherd, when you send in a contribution of any size to Verse by Verse. This 207-page paperback book has some of the most significant sermons delivered by Pastor Steve over the past 30 years of his ministry as pastor of Lakeside Community Chapel. You may write to Verse by Verse Ministries, P.O. Box 5884, Clearwater, Florida, 33758. Or call us at 727-239-0306 to request your copy. It will be a great spiritual resource for you in your Christian walk with the Lord. It can be yours for a contribution of any size during this month. Until next time on Verse by Verse, I'm your announcer, Jerry Pruden. Thanks for listening. Encouraging you in Christ. Long before the pain, God was there. Long before the struggle, God was there. Someone want to ask somebody that was going through a trial, this is where was God when the tragedy happened? The answer was the same place he was when it was all good. Faith Talk 570 and 910 WTBA. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.